For Project Spurs, I'm Paul Garcia, and this is the Spurs Cast. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Project Spurs writer Colin Reed, where we'll discuss the Spurs' first preseason game, lineup notes, and team roster moves. Let's go and jump right into this episode with Colin. Colin, how you doing? I'm doing great. Um, you know, exciting preseason basketball is upon us. <laughs> um, I, for one, was very excited to see uh, Derek White break out the new bald look when there he played go. with the Boston Celtics on Sunday. That was uh, quite the sight to behold. So uh, and I think there was a couple other exciting preseason things that happened over the past couple of days as well. Yeah, just like you, I've caught myself watching a few other teams. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about the Spurs here in a bit here, but um, I've actually found myself too, like 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 scheduling games to watch, like just at least the first opening quarter. Like I really wanted to watch the Suns to see what they look like with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal. And then also, I caught a, a bit of the Celtics game the other day. So, but you know, if you're tuning into the Spurs cast, you're here to you're here to listen. About <laughs> and so, Colin, we had wow, that was a really fun preseason game on Monday night in Oklahoma City. Uh, not only did the Spurs fans get to see uh, Victor Wembanyama in the NBA community, but all also, we got to see Chet Holmgren make his debut as well, and the Oklahoma City Thunder fans should be thrilled as well because both both players just really stood out in this game, uh, put on very impressive showings in both in, in their in their their first games to get uh, against each other. Where it almost looked like kind of effortless for these two young players, like just the fact that they put up twenty each, like twenty plus. It, it was just really, really um, a really fun game. So let's. But of course, we're here to talk about the Spurs. So let's talk about first about Wemby, more particular. Um, in his first game. So uh, the Spurs did play on Monday in Oklahoma City. They lost by one point in, in this preseason game. And again, it's a preseason game. So you don't want to put too much stock into wins and losses with preseason. Wemby did play in three quarters where he played about six and a half minutes the first quarter, seven minutes the second quarter. And then I think about six minutes in that final quarter. He played, he scores 20 points, most of those in the first half, 18 points in the first half on eight of 13 shooting, two of five from three, two of three from the free throw line. He grabs five rebounds. To, uh, he did have two fouls. Uh, has two steals and four deflections, a team high, one block and four turnovers. Uh, and then just looking at his points breakdown with how he scored his points, he had 10 points in that that layup dunk range. Uh, he had two points on the free throw line and then six points from those above the arc three. So uh, let's first focus first, Colin, on tell me your impressions of Wemby on, on offense. What did you think of him on offense? And then we'll talk about defense in the second part. Yes, so I thought the shooting tonight both from kind of near the rim and from three i think that was kind of throughout the season that's kind of like the high end of what you're going to see where things are going in i mean that's 40 percent from three that nifty spin move up and under that he had on jalen williams and chet oh, Holmgren, yes. like that was very nice uh it, it'll be interesting like I, I don't know if that's a shot you make 10 times out of 10 if you mm -hmm. shot that 10 times um so I thought, you know, that's what it looks like. Cause we've seen it at summer league where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, we see all the good things he does on the court. What does it look like when he has an off shooting night? And then we see it here where it's like, well, this is what it is what it looks like when his shots are falling. And I think throughout the season of his first year, the shooting itself is going to like fall in that range. But I still think that a whole lot of his value is going to come from other places. And specifically on offense, one thing that I saw that was really impressive and we saw it at summer league too, but it was impressive to see was real NBA rotations is that passing where he is seeing angles that are difficult for other people to see because he's not looking at from my chest to Zach Collins hands or chest. He's saying, well, my arms are three and a half feet long. If I stretch out my hand and like flip pass to him, the, the starting point of the pass is actually over here. And that changes the, he's seeing that in his head. Um, he's doing things like, a four or five pick and roll 
where he, he's the ball handler and Zach yes. Collins is the screener. Yes. Um, and you know how you said it was effortless. I agree. But at the same time, one of the things that I think makes him such a scary player is I think one of the things that he can improve on that will come in time is the execution. Like once he gets the NBA speed down, because some of those passes he had, maybe they were a little late, maybe they were just a little bit off target. Um, and as soon as he gets the handle a little bit tighter in the execution and timing a little bit quicker, like, I don't know, even when he's having an off shooting night with the playmaking that he has, you know, that play where he stole the ball behind the back dribble after he gathered it, threw it to Blake Wesley. Um, like yeah. that it was, a, it ended up being a miss, but it was a crazy like sequence of events there. And I think that he is not quite at NBA speed yet. I think I saw, uh, express news writer, Jeff McDonald say something like he really doesn't know what he's doing on an NBA court mm -hmm. yet. And still he looks like this. Yes. And, and so it's mm -hmm. just crazy because when you watch him, you do see things that he can improve on, but they're, they're all things that I think every rookie comes in and improves on naturally. Like as he gets used to the speed of the game, those passes are going to get even better. And just the fact that he's seeing it is what's exciting. Once the execution comes, it's going to be just incredible to watch. Yeah. And so like, go, just going back to one of the possessions, how you said his, his, just his vision, that's, that's one of the things that really stands out to you is there was a possession in the first half where, um, you know, they, the Spurs throw him the ball in the post and, and he has uh Jalen Williams guarding him, the, the, the forward. And so, uh, you know, he has that, that height, that height advantage, that, that mismatch. And so then the Thunder sent a second defender at him. And I thought, oh, okay, here's a moment where he might turn it over. You know, what's going to happen here. And no, he patiently waits till that guy gets even closer and kind of crowds his space a little bit. And he's still kind of just observing over his shoulder and he sees Charles Bassey right under the basket. He throws in the pass like wide open but and then Bassey ended up missing the layup but it's just like you said he doesn't he doesn't um you know get, uh, uh you know get frustrated when that happens when people are sending double teams uh, at him and then post game I listened to his audio and watched the video and man he had a very thoughtful answer that I really haven't a lot of, heard a lot of players say so he said this he says basically he's learned that anytime he puts that ball on the floor and he's gonna start driving in he's gonna see multiple defenders start coming at him he's already used to that he just knows the kind of attention he draws he talked about there was a, a really good answer where he says you know when he, when he when he when he takes that first dribble inside when he's in a drive he sees two to three eyeballs on him from the other team which means that they're not watching his teammates and that was actually on that play where he had to um kind of like you said he 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 went with the spin and then he had to go go back and go left up and under to make it he that's how he has to be creative he just kind of thinks of those things on the fly he's not really saying oh this is what I'm gonna do ahead of time it's more so how he's kind of just thinking and processing the game but like you said i mean just the fact that he has that vision ready like he's already seeing it just as a young player that he's already he can draw this much attention and he knows what to do uh whenever whenever that's happening so yeah man i was just really impressed offensively uh and this would this didn't happen in the game but there was a there was a set from their scrimmage on saturday night where they actually ran a, a double drag screen for him so like you said you know four or five pick and rolls with zach collins and then the spurs have him run you know being a ball handler like a guard would and and that was what was really interesting was that all week we heard about players talking about how he doesn't really have a position he can play point guard for a bit. He can play small forward. He can play the center spot. And so that was very interesting to see that he's very comfortable handling, whether it's out on the wing, whether it's inside on the post. Um, he has just so much talent there and just so much ability. And that's what's going to be interesting to see is how, how do the Spurs maximize that talent from him? And that was that something that Coach Pop talked about even after the game that they don't quite know where they're going to keep him on the, out on the floor. Is he going to play inside? Is he going to play outside? It's just going to kind of be some, some places that that um, that's going to, they're going to have to kind of get a feel for where he where he plays best at, at different times in the games and at different sequences. So uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, him him and Chet, man, they had really good games offensively, especially in the, that first half for both players. Uh, and 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 um, so so and then you know he did have some putbacks and things like that to get to get his to get his points as well. Uh, there was some sequences like that. And then one of the ways he got points on offense was by playing defense by. 
by sticking his hands in um in, on the ball handlers by uh creating havoc on, the, on those driving lanes for other players then he would get out and, and leak out to uh for you know for, for quick uh outlet passes he had four four fast break points yesterday so talk about what, what were some of his impressions on the defensive and one where the spurs had in place because this is something i think you had mentioned earlier in the summer you, you found interesting that they weren't going to have him so close to the basket most of the game and then two um you know his matchups that he didn't just guard that traditional uh big man like chet holmgren in this and he mainly matched up with either uh lou dort or or williams what were your thoughts there on defense yeah so i think the thing that immediately stuck out to all of us and uh bruno passed us of pounding the rock board about it was the leaking out because that was just you know that was happening immediately the yes ball would go up in the air and he would just be immediately running down the court and it was happening with such a frequency and something that i hadn't seen from him when we watched Mets 92 that it, it didn't seem like he was just like oh i'm gonna go get mine i'm gonna try to go get easy points it sounded it seemed like that was something that they were like hey it's a preseason game it's your first time out on the court let's Let's just see how this works. Um, and so it was interesting because he wasn't crashing the defensive glass mm-hmm. uh, very hard in the very in the first quarter, in the second quarter a little bit. And then, like you said, in the third quarter, he starts kind of staying around the rim a little bit more on, yeah. on both the offensive glass and the defensive glass. Um, you know, he, all, he only had the one block. Uh, it was a very impressive block, yes. though, you mm-hmm. know, um, the, the distance that he made up in a little bit of time. I think what was crazy was kind of like what you're saying is just with his length, his ability to disrupt drives where I think, you know, a big part of skill is you do something so many times that you can generalize it and you don't really have to think about it because the NBA is going so fast that if you think about, okay, well, I need to dribble this way and bounce it a couple of times with my left hand and then switch it over. and bounce. If you're thinking that hard, you're going too slow. But these players have never played with someone who, like I said, they have three and a half feet long arms mm-hmm. who's just going to like reach over from two feet away and give it a little tap. It's just, there's not, that's not something that they're used to. And so they're just driving like they normally would. And all of a sudden a contest, a tap from a weird location comes. And I think when it works, it looks really cool. I am concerned about the hands in the cookie jar type thing, yeah. where maybe mm-hmm. he's putting himself out of position or he gets like, cheap ticky tack fouls but i think you know the the fact is a lot of this stuff is muscle memory and it's instinct and when you have someone who's out there that people have literally never experienced before that it you can't rely on that anymore because now that this guy is going to come in and start contesting you and messing with you in ways that you don't get to play against except uh you know two or four nights a year uh so it's i thought that was really cool i thought you know, it, it is interesting because I do think he provides a good deal of rim protection if they want him there, even the kind of rotational rim protection where he can be out on a wing and then rotate over. And that wasn't, we didn't quite see that last night. Last night, they were fully committed to wing uh, yeah. Wimby. <laughs> um, but it is really interesting just to see some of the things that he can do, even because that's the first thing you think of is rim protection. And he's like, well, no, I can get up into perimeter players too and and mess with their handles a little bit um and kind of going to wing Wimby just real quick this isn't specifically defense but one of the things that really i mean we talked about we've already talked about it a bit, a bit i talked about it on twitter yesterday we've talked about it all summer long this whole wing Wimby thing last night the player that was checking in and out for him throughout the night was jetty osmond oh, okay. like that it's just it's just jetty osmond was like the player that would come in when Wimby would come off the floor and then Wimby would mm-hmm. come in for jetty and it's just like that is crazy i don't know jetty's height off the top of my head but like when you're 
bringing him into the game, you're replacing a wing-sized guy with a seven-foot-three guy. And you, that that's the only change they made to the lineup a couple of times. And it's just like, what is happening? I mean, it's cool to watch. It's just, it's yeah. so mind-blowing. Like, you and I have spent so long analyzing this game. And with Wimby, there's some of the things where we kind of have to take a couple of steps back because it's just like, okay, this breaks all the rules of what we've seen mm-hmm. and it's working. Um but yeah, on defense, I, I I I am excited to see his rim protection skills a little bit, and we didn't see that, but I really liked the ball pressure that he provided. For sure. And and just it, it kind of surprised me the fact that they were letting him leak out, like you said, you know, on defense, because that's actually that breaks one of their defensive principles. One of their print they 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 always I, I know they used to, I don't know if they still do this. They used to follow that that Krebs cycle that was very that they were known for, where it basically means like you don't you don't start your next your you know, your next possession on offense till you secure that defensive board. And so that's interesting that the fact that he's placed out there on the wing on some of those possessions that they're saying, you know, you try to make that steal and if you can get it or or, or disrupt something, you, you start taking off. And so that's why we because there was a few possessions where like the camera would zoom back to the offense when they dispersed didn't get the ball and it was like four on five and so i was like wow like they're actually just like like you know they're, they're telling him to do that which maybe again that's taking advantage of his size his athleticism his length uh and then of course if he gets that kind of outlet then no one's going to stop him one-on-one i mean we saw in a possession where he just pump faked and then he just dunks it right away on, on a guy so um we'll see how much of that follows through uh, i also found pops um, uh, uh, uh comments interesting also because he mentioned some, some 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 different things here where he said basically uh kind of what, what i said earlier about offense whereas they don't know exactly where they want him to play either on defense you know pop says you know they want to get some more data they want to look at some percentages of how you know players are shooting against him maybe out on the wing versus out at, inside they also want to look at at um matchup specifically like if there's a big you know burly center who's very physical they don't want wimpy in there down down near the paint but if it's like a you know a, a player who, who wimpy would more so have the advantage of physically or with his length and stuff, uh, then, then they, they probably would want him in the paint. So that was interesting to hear that Pop doesn't even know quite, you know, what I think we might see games where he's playing more so in the paint, maybe other games like where you said he's like a wing Wemby, where he's playing out there on the wing to disrupt things uh, for the team. So I just found it very interesting. And like you said, that Jalen Williams play where Williams, it looked like he crossed him up and, and got, was about to get to the rim and then nope, Wemby just, boom, he just throws, throws that, that, that shot. <laughs> Like you said, in, in the second half, we saw him more so near the paint, and there was a there was a play where uh, a Josh Giddy tried to drive on him, and he he, he even though he didn't block the shot, Giddy had to put up a very tough contested uh, shot against him, and so we're gonna get to see the variety that that he brings in this team, and so um and, and like something you mentioned was uh you know uh he was asked after the game you know what what did Pop tell you you know on defense coaching wise you know what what did you have to need to improve on he did say that there was a possession on defense where he kind of st- stuck his hand in, at the wrong spot and he wasn't supposed to do that he kind of and Pop's gonna correct him on those kind of things and so that's just like what you said maybe you know he's got to watch out to make sure he's not getting in any kind of foul trouble or anything like that so yeah man like I said it was just it was just really really fun to watch that game um you know for, for Spurs fans it was fun because uh, obviously Wemby seeing what what kind of dynamics he's gonna bring to the game but then also for Thunder fans Chet Holmgren on the other side had had a really good game for Oklahoma oh, City yeah. and their future is bright as well. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And so now, Colin, let's go ahead and talk about just some lineup notes. Something that you mentioned here, like you talked about how, how I, I didn't even notice that. that I knew Jetty was the, the, the backup um, wing off the bench, but I didn't know he was actually specifically coming in for wing uh, for uh, for Wemby. That was very interesting. So let's talk about the lineups that the Spurs have, because they might have given us a little bit of a hint for what they're going to use in the in the regular season. So uh, first to note of who was not available, Keldon Johnson and Jeremy Sohan did not play in this game. Uh, just to what Jeff McGonnell reported as general soreness, so, so nothing too concerning. Maybe they'll play in the next game on Friday. Uh, so the starters the Spurs rolled out were, were Trey Jones at the point, you had Devin Vassell at the wing, uh, Julian Champagne at the wing, uh, Wemby at the four, and then uh, Zach Collins at the five. This is on, on offense. And so we would assume that one of Keldon or Sohan's going to end up starting there uh, on the wing. What are your thoughts about once the whole team's healthy? About who Do you think it's Champagne who goes to the bench, and, and, and do you think it's Keldon that ends up in the starting unit? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, that, that's tough. I do think that Jones starting to me is a signal that he's he is going to be the starting point guard. Mm-hmm. I know that there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, can they kind of do play creation by committee and bring Jones off the bench and then just have their five guys mm-hmm. in it. But I, to me, I know a lot of the times you and I have watched long enough to know that if Pop is missing someone from a unit he instead of putting in someone from the unit right below it. So like um, I was rewatching 2014 uh, game since against OKC mm-hmm. and Tony Parker was out of the second half because of an ankle injury. Well, in start of, instead of starting Patty at the second half, they started Corey Joseph because pop likes to keep his units intact. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think if he wants to bring Trey Jones off the bench, he would have even done it in this game because he would want him to get that experience of running with the bench. So the fact that he started to me is a tell that he's probably going to start, even though two of the other guys competing for that starting spot were out. I I think to me, that was a sign. Um, I, I think to me personally, I don't know what they're going to do, but I have fallen more in, in liking of, Starting Sohan, because I think his switchability next to Wimby and his ability to create next to Wimby uh, is super good. I know that people talk about Keldon's three-point shooting, but if you kind of look at it year over year, it's it's actually a pretty streaky number. He had one really good year yeah. a couple seasons ago. And then outside of that, it's not necessarily this level where you're considering him a super high-level shooter. You know, when you look at both volume and percentage, um, I think... Sometimes we look at just a percentage and we don't factor mm-hmm. in the fact that like, okay, well, you're shooting 40% on how many attempts. Um, so to me, I think it's going to be so just because I think that defensive versatility, I think that play ne- making next to Wimby, I, I do like that a little bit more. And then I like um, obviously completely different player, completely different play style, but Keldon in the Manu role where he comes in as like energy guy, you know, as things are starting to lull from the start of the game, this guy's going to come in and be a wrecking ball. I just think that that is actually going to be a better role for him too. I think he's going to be able to attack in those moments uh, even more. And I think he can be a focal point of a bench unit. So I just, I think that to me, I like the Sohan start. I I have no idea what they're going to go with because they've been really tight lipped on it, but I like the Sohan starting lineup with Trey Jones a little bit more with Keldon Johnson being the Manu six man type. 
Okay. So I have two comments there. Uh, first on Jones. Um, I think that, like you said, I think that he's, he's going to end up being the starting point guard uh, just, just for a few reasons. One, um, uh, I think it was one of his comments in training camp where he basically talked about being almost like an extension of the coach on the floor where, you know, pop kind of wants to have that organization out on the floor. And that's kind of his job is more so to, to do that first before, you know, going out and being a scoring guard. And then two was also something that Wemby said yesterday uh, after the game where he talked about how pop and one of the ways he shows his coaching is he just kind of, he, he called him like the creators on the team. So I would assume that's like Trey Jones, the point guards. Uh, he kind of pop gives those players first, like the message. And then those players go out and kind of like give, give the, the overall tone to the team of, of you know, what we're going to do here in these next few sets. And so I, again, that's why I think that, that pop would more so want to have a, you know, just a, a general point guard out there. Who's going to kind of just get, get, get the players in their sets. And you saw even by a stat line last night, like 12 points, six assists, those kind of things kind of show you that he's just that, that, that point guard that you want on the team. Now regarding the start, the, you know, who's going to end up starting uh, at that spot at the wing spot. I would say I'm going to flip it on you where I think that they're going to give Keldon the opportunity, but I think just after like a reg, after like 10 or 20 regular seasons games, if they see that he's kind of struggling with the shot again, then I think they will experiment again and, and, you know, put Sohan in that starting unit. So I'm kind of like you where I think it's going to be Keldon first. And then if it doesn't work, then they give it to Sohan. But I think one of those two players will end up being the starting that, 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 that last mm -hmm. fifth starter. So now let's talk about the second unit that the Spurs had in this in this first preseason game. They had Blake Blake Wesley as the backup point guard. They had Malachi Branham as the wing. Uh, Jetty Osman replacing Wemby there. Um, also has another wing, uh, Doug McDermott, and then Charles Bassey. So they kind of stuck to a similar format of like one big and then four four wings or guards uh, out there alongside Bassey. Now again, once Keldon and Sohan get get healthy. Then, um, you know, Champagne might join that second unit or even Keldon or, or, or Sohan. One of those players ends up going to the second unit. So that means two of these players that we saw in the, in the second unit last night might end up being, you know, not not being part of the rotation as much early on. So what are your thoughts on that? The fact that they're, they're about to, even though it looked like they had a pretty good bench unit there, it could change once they get more players available. Yeah, that's one thing I was thinking was through the first three and a half quarters, or I guess the first two and a half quarters, through the middle of the third quarter, they had a 10-man rotation, mm -hmm. but two of their best players were out. Yep. And there is no NBA team that plays a 12-man rotation. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of madness, you know, to go that deep on yeah. a nightly basis. Um, so, like you said, there, there's some level of, wait a minute, what's going to happen here? And this is one of the reasons why I actually think Sohan off the bench could work, or at least maybe, maybe Sohan starts comes off early and then goes back in with the bench mm -hmm. because looking at the second unit, um, part of me does wonder if Wesley is going to get some more G league time. If he is mm -hmm. going to be kind of like that, that guy who's on the fringe of the rotation, but they're going to give him a lot of run in Austin. And then Sohan can be the, you know, point guard of the second unit. Yep. And I think that doing that unorthodox thing with him makes more sense against another bench lineup. Uh, than it does against, you know, a starting lineup. So I, I think that, I think what was really interesting to me was the fact that Wesley was in this 10 man rotation over, um, uh, Graham, Devante Graham. Mm -hmm. Devante Graham. Yeah. That was, that was really interesting to me because Graham was a part of the regular rotation in the regular season last year. And, you know, when, when, every person who analyzes the Spurs were putting out their depth charts with the free agency stuff, you know, I, I don't know if a single person would was putting Graham uh, Wesley above Graham. And and I think Wesley did look better last night than he looked in summer yeah. league. You know, mm -hmm. there was one play that stuck out to me where he kind of snaked into the middle of the court, was very patient, kind of waited, got the defender on his back, waited for the contact to see if he could draw the foul and then shot that little floater shot. Mm -hmm. And um, just looked more patient and was, was being more deliberate. So that was really good to see uh, from a development standpoint. And, and it, 
it looks like, you know, maybe he deserved to be in that rotation. I just think coming into the game, uh, you were kind of penciling Graham in as a rotation player. And the fact that he wasn't with that group to me was, was interesting. Okay. Uh, also something that leads to what you were saying about maybe Sohan running more. So the, the running the, you know, being the ball handler, the lead ball handler in that second unit is there was a few minutes that would go by where the pop didn't have a traditional, uh, any point guard and in, in where he had Malachi Branham, Branham or, or Devin Vassell bringing the ball up. So again, even though, even though he ended up bringing Blake Wesley in at, at some point, he also kind of, right. You know, he let the team run some possessions without a traditional point guard out there. So I'm interested to see as well. I mean, like, Man, like if you have to, have, if 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 uh, Champagne ends up getting some of the second unit minutes, I mean, I just because like a lot of those players played really well off the bench there. Like you said, Wesley had a good night, and again, it's just one game. Branham looked really good again. He just continued to make leaps and bounds. Uh, Jetty looked good in, in the minutes that he was getting. Doug McDermott was on fire, 12, 12 points immediately off the bench, and that's kind of what you expect from him. And even Charles Bassey was really good, uh, twelve rebounds, just a you know just a force there. Um, so yeah, man, I just don't know who's coming off that bench. You know, two players are probably gonna have to you know sit most nights because, like we said, they're gonna add Calvin and John. Kelton and Sohan and then maybe even Champagne who we know is, is a lights out shooter who they would want out on the floor so that's gonna be interesting to watch and so just looking at the players that aren't in the rotation just based off one game one preseason game that would be Graham like you mentioned Devontae Graham uh Sandrew Mamu Kalashvili Sidi Sissoko who Pop told um uh, according to Jeff McDonald he said that uh that Sissoko is expected to get a lot of minutes in Austin this year so that's you know that's pretty uh that, that's pretty understanding uh, Serge Barry Rice also wasn't in the rotation. He played late in the games. Uh, Dominic Barlow and then Charles Be- uh, Bediaco, who's on a training camp contract. And then um, one player who I think is still going to end up getting waived most likely is going to be Ken Birch because he still hasn't played. He got a DNP last night in that game, and we still haven't seen him even like in the scrimmage. He didn't play either in that in that in that Spurs scrimmage. So again, I don't know what's going to end up happening with Birch here. Um, were there any other players you want to discuss from from that opening uh, preseason game? Yeah. So just just a couple of quick other notes was that I think. Uh, just kind of like how I went to how Pop, when there's a starter out, he likes to promote someone from the third unit so that mm-hmm. second bench unit can remain intact. Um, I do th- wonder if that's what's happening with Champagne as well, okay. where mm-hmm. he is going to be kind of that fringe rotation guy. He comes in on certain nights, depending on what's yeah. needed, but they didn't want to break up the Branham Jetty Doug core. Okay. Um, another thing that was interesting to me is, you know, you and I have spent a ton of time on this podcast this summer talking about who were they going to waive? Who are they going to keep? They acquired a bunch of players. Um, you know, is it going to be block? Is it going to be, who is it? And, you know, it was kind of hard because, well, first of all, we couldn't talk to them. It was the middle of the summer, but it was just really like, what is their intention with some of these players they're acquiring because they're getting assets in return? Are, are they even looking at the players they're getting back? And to me, Last night was a signal that, especially at least to start the year, but I don't think he's going to do anything to lose that spot. Jetty Osman is like a firm part of this rotation right now. Okay. He is yep. like part of, you know, I don't know how deep the rotation goes, 9, 10, whatever, but like Jetty Osman is a part of it. And just b- based on how he played last night, I don't foresee him losing that spot. <laughs> you okay. know, so I think that that I would say that part of the Cleveland trade was them targeting him and i know that you and i talked a lot about kind of players that would be good for them in free agency and i think you know in retrospect their free agent signing was signing was jetty they just traded for him instead and he he matched a lot of the things that i think the team needed anyway so to me i think i think he is firmly part of the rotation which is good to have some closure because like i said you and i have been talking about that a bunch when it came to some of the players they acquired where it's like okay Who's going to be here? Are they going to waive anyone? If they don't waive them, are they even going to be in the rotation? So it's it's really nice to get some answers to some of these questions. 
Yeah, and I think he's, a, I'd have to do my research, but I think he's a player who they've been linked to in the past, like, you know, wanting to trade for, wanting to sign in previous, you know, uh, uh, summers and things like that. So, yeah, and, and we saw it both, like like you said, he's part of the rotation based on what we saw last night, what we saw in that in that Saturday scrimmage. He was one of the one of the first players out there. Also, um, even like in, in the practice footage that they've sent out to the media, he's been one of the players that you kind of see it a lot in a lot of the clips and things like that. And so, um, yeah, so so it looks like Jetty uh, definitely is probably probably a part of this team for the, for the future, for, the, for at least this season. All right, so Colin, our last topic here is they just made some ro- some 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 minor um, roster moves today on um, on Tuesday that you and I are recording this. Uh, the Spurs signed Eric Stevenson and Paul Watson to training camp contracts, um, so that that brings them a full roster. And so uh, Stevenson, uh, he was actually part of the Spurs' summer league team. Um, he's mainly a shooter from six uh, four guard out of uh, undrafted out of West Virginia. Um, so again, if you watch the summer league Spurs, you saw him a lot uh, in, in those lineups. I think he started a few games for them. Paul Watson is a six six um, guard forward who's twenty eight. He was undrafted in the twenty seventeen NBA draft, and he spent time. He spent. He's has three years of experience in the NBA uh, with the Raptors, Hawks, and Thunder. As of the time that you and I are recording this, um, I'm, I'm uh, I saw I saw a video clip of, of Stevenson in in the gym shooting today at practice of the Spurs. I didn't see Watson there but again I wasn't there in person and so um you know I'm just thinking they they might just sign these players and wave them so that they can end up on the Austin Spurs roster or maybe they want to start sitting some players out in these next few preseason games so they want to just have some additional depth um so some players available so that's why they want to keep the roster full until they need to make that those cuts um uh right right after the preseason ends or option three is maybe uh Watson Stevenson and Charles Bediaco, who we saw play last night, maybe one of those three players is trying to earn that final two-way roster spot because they do have one open roster spot available. Um, did you have any comments about either of those three players? I guess uh, my only question is how many years of service does I know that Watson came in in 2017, but how many years of service does he have? Because if he has too many, he can't be a two-way. I want to say he has three. Um, from what I saw on the on the NBA roster, yeah, he has three years of experience. Okay. If this is going to be his fourth year, I okay, I don't know. He's I done know one two-way be... also with OKC before. Okay, I, I I do wonder if if he might be out of eligibility for being a two way then at that mm-hmm. point. Um, I I think that the years of eligibility that you have for a two way might have changed in the most recent CBA. But, but um, I I think yeah I think for for these players that they just recently signed, uh, Stevenson and Watson, I think it's one of those things where if you sign this well, it used to be an Exhibit Ten in the old CBA. It's like an Exhibit Eleven now. Uh, it that's like a contract, but it's just a tr- summer uh training camp mm-hmm. contract and if you make it through all of it you get an additional like bonus uh mm-hmm. for like having signed with the team and being a part of it and then that kind of gets these players into um their pipeline you know their their mm-hmm. uh development program and if if any one of them kind of shines in austin then they will come up but i i think that for those two players specifically that's probably what's happening is it's kind of a a little bit of a hey come practice with us earn a little bit of extra money mm-hmm. and then from that point, you can sign with the G League team to kind of be in our system. Okay, so yeah, that's kind of my, my thoughts there. Where again, I think that they're either just doing that, like more so for depth. Like I said, maybe get to these next few games. Maybe they're going to sit some more players out, or two is maybe one of those three players ends up on this two way spot because I, I think that that's going to end up being the intention is to give one of these three players that final two way spot that they do have open at this moment. All right, so thank you to Colin for joining me here on this episode of the Spurs Cast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on YouTube and your favorite podcast apps. This episode was written, recorded, and produced by Paul Garcia. The music for this episode was written by Paul Garcia and Vincent Garcia. The Project Spurs, thank you. Have a great day.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.